I'm telling you that good citizens are going to turn into real concern and revolutionary citizens real soon. How do you feel about being complicit in perpetuating that? The greatest hoax ever perpetuated on the American people, and you're part of it. Now we're supposed to have unity. Let me tell you something. I'm part of the new resistance. Another edition of the New Resistance Podcast. Let me know what you think about what I'm throwing down at the underscore NRP at yahoo.com, the NR Podcast on Facebook, and the underscore NRP on Getter and Truth Social. And don't forget to hit like and follow while you're there. This show is released using Anchor. It is the spot to make podcasts. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Your episodes can be distributed to Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, and so many more, all at one time. Anchor has everything you need in one place, and it is free. So stop everything you're doing and go download Anchor in your app store or at anchor.fm. So, I talked about and mentioned several times last year this thing called the New Right. But I don't think I ever did a good job of explaining what that means. So, what is the New Right? How do you define what that is? Well, first, we need to talk a bit about the old right and conservatism. I'm going to ask you something, and it's not going to be a very comfortable question. Some of you may even be in denial, and that's okay. There are some questions we need to ask ourselves. Some realizations we need to come to in order to move forward as a movement and make lasting changes in our localities and our country. We need to look in the mirror and honestly analyze ourselves. We blame others, but it's really our fault. Now we've all used the words conservative and conservatism a whole lot over the years let me ask you this what has conservatism actually conserved seriously what has the conservative movement whatever that really is anymore what has it conserved It was supposed to keep our government small, keep the U.S. out of crumbling debt, protect our borders, to conserve what we have. It was supposed to stop 
all of this chaos and madness. Conservatism was supposed to stop the constant assault from the commie leftists and the fascist elites. Tell me, how's that going so far? Compared to a hundred years ago, when Woodrow Wilson and John Dewey and the progressive movement started, how's it working out? Neither you or I really need to answer that. If you're really being honest, you'll know it's not working. Not working at all. Why though? There's the same old excuses we can throw out there. It's the cowards, the sellouts, the rhinos, etc. But here's the truth, you guys. Generally, conservatism doesn't work because it's always on the defensive. We are always playing defense. Now, what does that mean? Well, I'm going to let Jesse Kelly answer this one. Picture this, picture this. There's a gigantic fence. I have a 10-foot fence around my house. A 10-foot fence around the house. You... You show up with 20 guys and you want to get through my fence so you can harm me. If I never leave the fence to get you off of it, are you going to get in eventually? Of course you are. I can't say no at all times, hold up every single board at all times. At some point, whether it's one day, one year, one week, who knows? At some point, you're getting through the fence. Because I'm trying to conserve what I have. I'm saying no. That's the old right. Defense at all times. No, the answer is no. The truth is, ladies and gentlemen, the new right, the new right must be about offense. This is where some people get a little squeamish, a little bit uncomfortable. But we are in a dangerous time right now. And if we're going to defeat the American Marxist, the American Communist, it's pretty likely that you're going to have to come out of your comfy zone. As the new right, we're going to have to leave that fence and fight them, push them back from the walls. Because if you haven't noticed over the last five or six years, they have been blowing holes in that wall. We must play offense. The regime and their cronies are going to find businesses $100,000 if they don't mandate vaccines or for all employees. The Republican answer can't just be no. The response should be, okay, well, we're going to pass a bill that finds every business who does a million dollars. That's offense. And then the rest of citizens need to boycott those businesses and or protest in front of their business. That's how the new right must play going forward. Let me tell you, I hate boycotts. I love small government, so I am including myself 
in the uncomfortable crowd. However, we don't get to pick the time in which the Almighty gives us. And not all strategies are equipped for all times. We have to make adjustments according to the conditions, according to the time we have been given. We're in a time where the system, the government, corporations, academia, shoot, even half the churches, they're working together to destroy everything we hold dear. We're in a different time. Abnormal times call for abnormal actions. What I tell you a few episodes ago, by any peaceful means necessary, by any peaceful means, whatever the communist hates, you must feed him more of it. And when he cries about it, you don't ever back down. Now you go after them. The leftists and the Marxists have used our value system against us for decades. That's one of the commies' specialties. They do it because it has worked. Why do you think the St. George Floyd riots spread so fast? The rhinos marched with BLM. People kneeling in front of BLM radicals all apologizing for their whiteness. It's why they always pull out the as a person of color, as a woman, as a this, as a that. Because it attacks our value system. And thus far, it has shut us down and shut us up. They thrive on using our values and what is in our hearts against us. The new right has to ignore that stuff. You must ignore everything they say. That's most likely uncomfortable for some of you. But if you treat it as if it's nothing, then you're taking all of their power away. It's all they have. It's all they have ever needed. They've known that. All they had to do was call you racist and it shut you down. And if you believe they're full of it, that you're likely going to hum humiliate yourself by apologizing. You attack them. You're immediately a racist. Don't let them throw you off. Offense. Always offense. That must be the new right. No more playing the leftist game. On the leftist field. With the leftist refs. Enforcing the leftist rules. Never. Let them use your values against you. Again. We make the rules now. We win, you lose. Offense. We have to commit ourselves to doing things we don't like to do. Unlike every one of you. You live your life, I live mine. 
I want to be left alone. But you see, times change. Not every period in history is the same. We're in a period now where we are surrounded. Our cultural institutions are rotted all the way through with trash. Trash who hates what we love and are trying to destroy it. We can't just live and let live our way out of this. We can't just vote our way out of this. The new right must become something the Marxist and the leftist fears. Not something it mocks. We must go and fight them as if everything depends on it. Because it does. This is the new right. The new resistance. Some center with the rank and file. I'm marching with the underground. Oh, my black card worn on my slave. I'm standing with the rank and file. I'm marching with the underground. Now, today, I'm going to be continuing with laying out the plan of attack on how we snatched not only Springfield, but the rest of the country back from the Marxist left and the ruling class, who are intentionally ruining everything we're about. Look, it's time we stop lying to ourselves. Stop lying to those on our side who insist that the pendulum is just going to naturally swing back to the center right or center left and that we don't actually need to fight any harder than usual. That we are okay with just sticking to the status quo. Well, I'm going to tell you that's crap. That is wishful thinking in today's climate. We can't afford inaction or capitulation anymore. This installment is based on an article from the American Conservative website. They also have a magazine, but this, this was from the website. It's theamericanconservative.com. It was published on November 4th, 2020, and it is titled, How the Right Can Organize Like the Left. Like it or not, the American left are very good organizers. Setting aside the violence and the things that are either illegal or really push the boundaries of the law, they have been at this for a long, long time. 
course, they have the benefit of having lots of elitist money behind them. They have the infrastructure needed to facilitate their community organizing and their madness. So, needless to say, we are way behind. So, the article, well, a bit of context first. It was published the day after the 2020 general election. It starts out by saying, quote, Conservatives are understandably upset. In a period of sustained radical leftist action and chaos and a genuine effort to grow a revolutionary movement, the response at all levels is ineffectual. Lots of conservatives are asking the same questions. What can I do? What can we do? And how did we even get to this point? When things aren't exactly going how we want them to go, it's really easy to blame bad luck and crappy or impossible circumstances, being screwed over by the Democrats and leftists, or stabbed in the back by the rhinos, or whatever. However, and as a recovering addict, I can most assuredly tell you that it is even harder to look in the mirror and admit some truths about yourself that are rather difficult to accept. In order to move forward and rebuild ourselves and this movement. According to this article, and I tend to agree, it's taken me a little time to get here. But, I'm here. In this case, we are talking about admitting and accepting that the whole conservative and right theory of power is wrong. The way in which, I would say, the majority of us who've come up in this movement have been taught to look at and use power as not healthy or beneficial. We tell ourselves that power comes from ideas, you know, the, the marketplace of ideas. The formula of ideas are brought forward, debated, inspire voters, and draw action from politicians, and we win. Now, how has that formula been working for us? How's that been working for us the last few decades, or ever? The piece goes on to say, quote, It turns out that inspiring ideas aren't useful unless you train people in the mechanics of building power. As conservatives, we have trained ourselves to elect politicians who are seemingly allergic to passing bills or legislation, or to be pundits who have no actual power. 
state power is the only kind of power conservatives have taught their people how to understand. And when we gain it, tut-tutting conservative elites are all, it is immoral to use. End quote. He's talking about, like, the National Review, Heritage Foundation, conservative elite types. What he's saying is that our ideas may be inspiring and are the better ideas to move forward, which they definitely are. They are not much more than just inspiration if we don't know how to build the power and influence to enact those ideas. Government or state power, though it's the only kind we have historically understood or recognized, it isn't the only kind there is to wield. This is what the left does. Think about this. Their activists, their community organizers, etc., are always training their people on creating very effective pressure campaigns that force, for any number of reasons, compliance with their demands. What is our typical response? Doubling down on the importance of ideas. Again, what good does those ideas do if we don't know how to use them? If we want to actually affect lasting change in this country or in this city, we can't do it with debates or with pundits on Fox News, Newsmax, or the Nick Reed Show on KSGF. And we can't do it by sitting at home and hoping somebody else will come along and do it for us. We have to learn to come together, to build a team, and work as part of that team. And, quote, your team has to learn to be part of a larger team. You must, in short, build a community. I want to deviate off this article for just a second. That part about your team has to learn to be part of a larger team. Well, in his book, Rules for Radicals, Saul Alinsky talks about smaller individual groups each have their own specialties and specific areas of focus. And the importance of allying with those groups who share the same or similar ideology or the same overall goal, thus creating a community. Then when one group or another has a direct action or protest planned, for example, they can then draw on those alliances with other groups to get more people out in the streets quickly. Where if they were just trying to go it alone, then they wouldn't have as big of a crowd. This is partly how leftists were able to turn out in mass thousands upon 
thousands of people protesting, rioting, burning, looting their way through our biggest cities all at the same time last summer. Here in Springfield earlier this year, back on track of America, whose focus is on SPS, the school board, CRT, that stuff. They protested outside the school board meeting. I believe it was in June or July. Uh, it could have been earlier, but I'm thinking that it was during the summer. Though not quite thousands were there, there were at least three local groups, including Back on Track, that were represented that night because of alliances having been forged. So it's not just the left that can do that. We can too. So individual groups don't necessarily need to focus right away on getting hundreds and thousands of people to hit the streets or hundreds of thousands of members of their own groups to hit the streets or out to an event in protest all on their own. It's actually more beneficial to nurture and fall back on alliances with other like-minded groups and in turn be willing to lend yourselves to other groups within that alliance when they need people. See how this works? Okay, back to the piece we started with. You can't build an effective community from your couch or your bedroom or on social media, online, on its own. You have to. And this is something my friends are pushing me and I'm still learning to do because I'm not a very outspoken person when it comes to actually talking to people face-to-face -face or in public speeches or things like that. But you have to talk to people and build your own groups. And eventually, we'll learn how to get what we want by pressuring opponents and using our ability to inflict actual material loss. And before I end this segment, I want to share one more quote from this article. It says, the conservative response to left-wing pressure campaigns has thus far mostly consisted of sternly telling individuals not to bow. This is useless. In the grand scheme of things, it's useless. At the time, it might make us feel better, but it doesn't actually accomplish anything. You cannot defeat calculated strategy, which the left is very good at most of the time, most of the time, with personal pugnacity. If you stand tall, a pressure campaign doesn't leave you alone. It moves on to a secondary target with power to put pressure on you. A perfect example is Tucker Carlson and Fox News and media matters and the leftist targeting his ad sponsors trying to get him thrown off the air which has not worked he's still on the air i just watched him earlier tonight 
pointing out hypocrisy, how the other guys would just hate it if the tables were turned, does nothing. Actually, turning the tables does. We are talking about how the right can organize like the left. An article from the American Conservative website. I believe it is vitally important to not only bringing this country together and our beloved city back from over the cliff. Now, people used to say back from the edge of the cliff. Well, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure we are halfway over the cliff by now. But building a movement, a new American right, if you will, to resist the woke Marxist left and to snatch control of our lives out of the hands of the elites of both parties, of the Uniparty, and that goes for D.C., Jeff City, and Springfield, who've proven that they cannot be trusted with power. We're talking about creating a culture of resistance by all peaceable means. We have two jobs. One, grow our groups and organizations locally. Remember, we're playing the long game, so we need to build firm roots and a firm foundation at home. Then move forward. And two, as I talked about earlier, we have to make connections with other like-minded groups and build alliances in our area first. Forget about the national groups. If they're that big, then they have the infrastructure needed to become formidable already. We must build power where we are first and foremost. That means Springfield. On our side, we quite often make two fatal mistakes. One, we imagine movements to be one neatly organized thing. As we've learned, it just does not work like that. Two, we tend to focus on individual heroes or leaders. Donald Trump. I don't know. I don't need to make fun of it, but that, that is an example of someone, an individual that we tend to cling on to and pin all our hopes on. And if you notice, not all, but a lot of our would-be leaders who show up on the radar end up being a grifter or are all talk, no action, and are spineless. Um after the presidential election. Um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Lynn Wood. And uh, Sidney Powell. Two really great 
lawyers and had good reputations up until then, but they kind of made fools of themselves. And if you notice, you don't hear one word out of them now. Like they disappeared. Because a lot of the things that they ended up, that they were throwing out there, ended up making them just look like grifters. Look, the, the bad news is that organizing takes time and is usually slow. We'll never be able to immediately compete with the machine that the left and the Democrat Party has built over decades. But we have to start building now so that soon we will be able to. I end this episode with a quote from a great and honorable man. It is when I contemplate the cause of my country deserted by all the world, and I, standing up boldly and alone, hurling defiance at our victorious oppressors, here without contemplating consequences, I swear eternal fidelity to the just cause of the land of my life, my liberty, and my love. But if after all we shall fail, be it so. We still shall have the proud consolation of saying to our consciences, we never faltered. Abraham Lincoln Thank you for joining me and for listening. Don't forget to pass this and all other content on to everyone you know. Hit subscribe or follow depending on the platform you're using. Let me know what you think about any of this at the underscore NRP at yahoo.com or the NR podcast on Facebook. Until next time, stay focused, stay engaged. Never give in. I'm Seth. This is the New Resistance Podcast. See ya. Just because I never learned to give up. Challenge my beliefs, I'll choose to stand up. A 
overcoming fears, compromising never. Till the very end, we 